Hello, and welcome to Dizzy World. Dizziness and vertigo are among the most common complaints in patients of all ages to their doctors, and yet there are still a limited number of specialists equipped to evaluate and treat these conditions. As a global leader in the science and business of equilibrium medicine, our goal is to empower healthcare providers from all specialties to help this important population of patients. On Dizzy World, we'll highlight outstanding clinicians, scientists, and business owners bringing excellent care to Dizzy patients globally and living the AIB motto, Dizziness and Vertigo. You don't have to learn to live with it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast from the American Institute of Balance. Uh, I'm Richard Gans. I'm the founder and CEO of the Institute. Uh, We're now celebrating our 31st year. And we have three very, very special people with us because we have number 51, 52, and 53. That's right. We have our 51st, 52nd, and 53rd fourth-year residents, residents that we've been taking since 1998. So I'm going to now let them introduce themselves, tell us their names, the university that they're affiliated with, and their hometown. Viv, why don't you get us started? Hi, I'm Viv Song. I'm number 53, and I'm with the University of Kansas Medical Center out of Kansas City, Kansas. And I am originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello, I am Gabby Rosenwald. I am number 52, and I am also from the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City, Kansas. And I am a Kansas City girl, but I uh, was born in Stuttgart, Germany. And I moved here when I was 10. Family was in the military. Yes, dad's in the army. Excellent. Hello, my name is Josephine Fernandez. I am a student at the University of Cincinnati as well as a resident here at AIB. And I am originally from Cincinnati. Well, wonderful. Welcome, everybody. What we want to do in this podcast is begin to familiarize you with their journey. Right? What brought them to audiology? what brought them to AIB, and then finally, what is their vision for the future of the profession? So let's get started. Why don't, Josephine, you share with us, um, how did your journey to audiology begin? Sure. I feel like my journey started typical to what most audiology students, I would say, um, how they started out. Uh, which was originally in speech-language pathology. My cousin is a, a speech-language pathologist, and I was in the major at Pitt. Um, it's a combined major with audiology, and eventually just found my way to audiology through not enjoying speech classes as much, um, to be honest. Um, just felt like it was a better fit in audiology, um, more objective, um, and rooted in science. And so that's kind of how I got started. Excellent. So your undergrad is from Pitt. University of Pittsburgh. Wonderful. I was the adjunct taught vestibular there for quite a few years. Wonderful. Wonderful. Panther. <laughs> and now you're a bear cat. Correct. Excellent. Okay, Gabby, you're up. So um, my journey to audiology is a little less like the typical student. I started off at the University of Kansas um, with a psychology undergrad. And I realized I really liked brains, but psychology as a therapist wasn't really the path for me. So I learned through the introductory coursework about audiology through a physics class. And I really liked the integration of brain knowledge and understanding the brain. And um, audiology just 
felt like a good profession of mixing a lot of research and clinical work together. So I just wanted to understand the brain more. And here I am today. Excellent. So undergraduate at Kansas as well. Mm -hmm. I loved it so much. I couldn't leave. (laughs) Well, it's a great school. It is phenomenal. Super. Bib, how about you? So I joke with my patients that my mom really wanted me to be a doctor and my dad really wanted me to be in IT. So we all compromised and now I'm going to be in audiology. But uh, I actually started undergrad knowing that I kind of wanted to be in audiology. It just intrigued me. I had a lot of questions that seemed like they were going unanswered. And that's sort of what propelled me further into the profession. And then I got into audiology in graduate school. And the thing that seemed to just have even more questions for me was Vistib. And that's really sort of what landed me here. Excellent. Did you do your undergrad at Kansas as well? I did not. I went to a small private school at the University of Tulsa. Oh, wonderful. Very good. Excellent. Well, you know what the next question is probably going to be? (laughs) The world of dizziness and balance and equilibrium. Mm -hmm. It's not a path that all audiologists follow. Now, although many will find their way over to the dark side, (laughs) right? What was it that made you interested in the world of dizziness, equilibrium, and balance? Why don't we start with you, Gabby? So as I have interest in brain function, neuroscience, psychology, I wanted to be doing something that integrated all of it. And I felt like as I was progressing through my graduate program, I started realizing there was a lot less of that demonstrated in clinical work. and. I wanted to be able to learn more about the brain every day. And I wasn't getting that with your typical route for audiology. And the first week that I had my vestibular courses, I learned so much. I understood a lot and it all was connecting. I loved the integration with other systems in the body. And it just had me asking a lot of questions. So I took a leap and wanted to do vestib and I'm here and I'm learning so much and it makes me love it more every day. Excellent. Josephine, you had two semesters. Correct. So you really got a lot of information about vestibular. Yes, that's correct. At the University of Cincinnati, we were fortunate enough to have two semesters of vestib, um, which I feel like is pretty rare um, nowadays in AUD uh, programs. Um, and really what got me so interested in it was the great foundation um, of my education from Dr. Kay Bachman. Um, She is faculty at um, Cincinnati Children's as well as um, at UC. And I just felt like her teaching style really just cemented well with me. And the concepts of vestibular um, really were just so interesting and intriguing. Um, And also a former UC Bearcat as well, Dr. Farina, who um, was also a resident and provider here at AIB, um, spoke with her, met with her at AAA, and that's also how I got started. Excellent. See, Dr. Bachman and Dr. Farina, you got a shout out (laughs) on the AIB podcast. Good for you. (laughs) And I would tell any audiologist anywhere, be a mentor. It's a big deal. You're changing lives. Vib, how did you find your way to us? Uh, A little bit of what I said before, where I just really had the most amount of questions for Vistib, and that's sort of what led me here. But we were also fortunate enough to have a previous AIB resident teaching our vestibular class. 
Dr. Sam Biddle. He was number 10. Shout out. <laughs> and uh, I was also lucky enough to work for his uh, practice. And while I was there, I just felt really drawn towards vestibular patients and all the things that we could do for them. And I just kept having more questions. Uh, then I took the vestibular course and I thought, you know, I think that this is this is for me. I hadn't yet had a rotation in vestib quite yet, but the more that I learned about it, the more that I knew that this was going to be something fulfilling for me. Excellent. Well, very good. Shout out to Dr. Biddle as well. <laughs> number 10, right? And now you're number 53. I know. It is, it is a little surreal. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So AIB is a very special place. We're not like an audiology practice. As an institute, we have three missions clinical service to patients, research, and education. Now, you've been here a few weeks, about four weeks. They're about. Right around four weeks. You've had an intense first four weeks. (laughs) You had boot camp training. You had our intensive vestibular assessment and management course. You've already been embedded with patients. Why don't you share with our audience, particularly AUD students that may be listening, that are in their first, second year, and they're starting to hear these really cool vibes about (laughs) the world of equilibrium and about AIB. Uh, Josephine, tell us about what's been the most insightful and challenging things that you've experienced in these short four weeks? Sure. Um, I would have to say that the VA, VAM um, boot camp experience kind of those two weeks back to back um, what was probably the most challenging um, thing that we've, you know, done so far here as a resident. Um, I think because it was just two weeks of intense back to back cementing of these concepts, to really give us a strong foundation to start out in the clinic. It felt like I was back in the classroom, which I hadn't been used to for um, a month or so, uh, but really just helped us, you know, cement our knowledge to then carry that into the clinic. Gabby, can you elaborate on that? So when you got here, Mm -hmm. you weren't just looked at as a student and were just thrown in to do hearing tests Mm -hmm. because you had hands. These ones. Yep. We knew we had to make an investment Mm -hmm. in all of our onboarding, our fourth-year residents. Did you you feel appreciative that you weren't just tossed in to do hearing tests? Overwhelming, yes, all caps. I think that the investment that AIB has made into all three of us and all of the previous residents has been immense. I have never had such attention to detail with how we're taught as well as the different things that we can learn and can be taught. I feel like one thing that stands out to me about AIB every day that I'm here is if I have a question, I can go to anyone and ask about it. And it's a conversation and like a dissection of what the root of the question is. And I think that sets AIB apart from a lot of other places that I could 
possibly want to go to. Um, I think that's really special. Thanks. Now, Viv, you said that your mom wanted you to be a physician. Mm -hmm. You've now been involved in seeing patients with direct supervision by your preceptor, doctors of audiology. Correct. Are you finding that the way the doctors of audiology and the patient journey here at AIB has a strong medical feel opposed to what you might have experienced in other audiology settings? Oh, absolutely. I do think that especially with this type of patient population, even if it's not something that is audiology inner ear related, we really do end up being kind of a medical triage. And since we see dizziness day in, day out, we are able to better give suggestions and sort of a course of action for these patients. And it may be the first time that these patients have even gotten an answer. So in that aspect, I really do feel a, a more medical, almost physician-like field to the way that we approach patient care. Excellent. And that's what we, we do because here at AIB, we don't see patients coming from off the street. 99% of patients are referred by ENT, neurotology, nephrologist, pedi pediatrics, uh, internal medicine, uh, physiotherapy. So it's a very eclectic uh, referral base that we have. Um, Josephine, uh, from your experience now, this is a very diverse practice. Uh, we have a large physical therapy program in-house. Uh, have you had an opportunity yet to see the interface and the multidisciplinary approach from the doctor of audiology to the doctor of physical therapy? Yes, I have. And actually, that is another reason why I was so drawn to AIB. Um, I love interdisciplinary um, team care. And we've had a couple opportunities to um, observe and shadow Dr. Del Alessandro. And um, it's really neat to see the patients that we have done full evaluations for over in the audiology side to then see their continuum of care, um, you know, whether it's in vestibular rehab or balance retraining therapy with Dr. Del Alessandro. Um, I just think that's super neat. Excellent. So, Gabby, we have a large space. We have between our two buildings about 17,000 square feet, a lot of technology, multiple CDPs, rotary chairs. What are you finding both uh, enhancing and also challenging about all this technology? A good question. I think one thing that's intimidating about all the equipment and technology is just learning all of it. It's a big learning curve, especially since, I mean, I don't know about you, Josephine, but it's a lot of equipment that I needed to learn really, really quickly. Everything has its own temperaments and its own particular ways that it needs to be used. And um, also just like the caliber of the equipment is so high that I feel like it care needs to be given to all of the pieces of equipment. And I think that's yeah. Yeah, it's not inexpensive. <laughs> no. Sure. But it's good. And and you know, our belief is 
And this is something, uh, Viv, that you may have experienced in some of your rotations. A lot of people say, why do you need all those tests? Why, why do patients, you know what? I'll just talk to the patient. I'll interview the patient. And then I, you know, I'll decide what tests they need. Why would you guess? The tests are relatively inexpensive. They're non-invasive. And they're not duplicates of each other, right? So in other words, why do a CVM and an OVEM? Well, because they measure two different completely parts of a system. Why do a rotary chair when you've done a caloric? Because the caloric doesn't tell you about compensation. So there are many different things that we use. Have you found in your experience now with patients when you take them through their journey here at AIB? Are patients complaining because we're too thorough? No, uh, simply the opposite. I can't tell you how many times just in the three weeks of actually being in clinic that patients have said, you know, I really appreciate how thorough you guys are. and. Um, you know, at the end of the appointment, we always sit down with the patient and take them through the anatomy and every single step and explain to them what all these tests are. And I think that especially for our patient population, they appreciate more than anything that we are extremely thorough. I also appreciate that all this equipment and the boot camp in VAVNM has been the latest research. It's the latest equipment. It's, it's everything that is up to date. And not only do I appreciate that, but our patients as well. Yeah, because you, as a patient, and we've all been patients, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether it was just going to the dentist or whatever. But does the facility look clean? Is it modern? Does it look well cared for? Is this a place that I feel safe and comfortable? And so we really make an effort to make sure of that. Also. Tell us about your interaction with our non-clinical staff. We consider our support personnel a big deal. We're a team, whether it's billing and coding, front office, scheduling. Um, Josephine, just your interaction with some of the support folks. Can you share that experience? So I would say that um, of all the other staff, we typically spend the most time interacting with the front office staff because they really just help run that ship so smoothly. And the women that run that are (laughs) extremely professional, thorough, and you can just tell that this is a a well-oiled machine. Um, They truly keep everything going, keep everything organized, and they are some of the most incredible professionals that I've had the opportunity to work with. So. Well, thank you. Shout out to the AIB support team. Shout out. Gabby, you're finding that as well? You find them helpful? Oh, every single thing that Josephine was saying, I had like a a comment for. I... (laughs) If I don't know anything going on, I feel like I need to ask Crystal because she's been here for a while and she knows really everything. She should get an honorary doctorate at this point. Uh, (laughs) And I think one thing that stood out to me about interactions with support staff has been with Sam with IT. I have not had very many experiences where IT has been such an integral part and like 
with you as a team. They've kind of been someone that you call on and maybe they take a few days and maybe, maybe a few hours, you know, it's just variable, but she's very reliable. And I appreciate that so much. Excellent. And Viv, um, you're, you're finding that you're getting exposure also to some of the aspects of clinic operations, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I have been front office staff before. I have been back of house insurance doing VOBs before, and I have never had a greater appreciation for this team. Not only is everybody friendly, which is nice when you like your coworkers and they're friendly, but the fact that we just are able to focus on clinic things specifically because back of house is running things so smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there's a lot to learn there as far as yeah. running a private practice, which mm-hmm. is integral. <laughs> yes, thanks. Well, in the time we have left, let's pivot a little bit, mm-hmm. step away from the, your AIB experience mm-hmm. and talk about the global issue of the profession. Viv, we'll go, now we'll go clockwise. <laughs> From your experience thus far mm-hmm. with the profession, what you see, how are you feeling? As far as Vistib or audiologist? No, just the profession. Are we on the right track? Do we need some correction? What we, what, if, you, if you had a magic wand, what, what would you be doing? I do think that I would be changing a few things here and there. Um, It's not that the career path as far as audiologists go for the next 10 years is is going down or anything. That's not what I'm saying by any means. But I do think that as a clinical profession, we often have the tendency to get stuck in our ways. And the way forward really is the newest research and being able to learn from students. You know, they're the ones that are currently in school. They're the ones that are currently doing a lot of the new research, reading up on what's new. They're the ones doing the PowerPoints for projects. And I think that I learned the most in school from my peers. Obviously, mentors have a lot to teach us about what has happened so far, but I want to also know about the now and focus on that. So if we can sort of shift audiology and you know, the medical profession as a whole, to listen to students more and to learn from them, I think we would grow exponentially. Gabby, uh, at Kansas, did you participate or was there an active student program either through AAA or HESHA? Mm -hmm. We do have a student academy of audiology at KU, which I was a part of. I think Viv, you were part of as well. And there are other opportunities for students to get involved in other groups as well. Um, I I think students have a lot of opportunities to delve into particular things that they like, whether it be research or um, assistantships or involvement in other advocacy groups and, and whatnot. So, so you would definitely advise students to get involved in these student organizations? Oh, absolutely. I think... Joining groups like that does nothing but open doors, whether it be 
an intellectual door where you can open your horizon of, of thought, or it just opens another door for you to have an opportunity that you didn't necessarily expect. I, I'm in audiology because I took a physics class. I, that is how I got here. And I took it because I didn't want to take chemistry. So I, I think the only thing that you're hurting is your opportunity. And if you don't know what that is yet, then you might as well give it a chance. Excellent. Now, Josephine, two of my very dear friends from our work in the Academy of Audiology, Dr. Ian Windmill and yes. Dr. Lisa Hunter, yes. were at University of Cincinnati. and. Um, so you had an opportunity to be exposed to really professional leadership. Yes. What, um, it, how did that impact you or how did it help knowing that some of your faculty had been in leadership positions? That opportunity really just helped me networking wise. Um, I would say one of the biggest networking opportunities, especially was at the state conferences for audiology. So at the Ohio Academy of Audiology State Conference, um, that is really where I got to meet a um, bunch of super impactful audiologists from Ohio, working in Ohio. Um, and through Dr. Windmill, actually, um, he introduced me to a bunch of uh, different current practicing clinicians and other just, you know, past Ohio audiology professionals. Um, and I think having them as UC Cincinnati um, faculty and um, clinicians really just gave me that chance to then meet others in our field um, and see their influence and in, um, how they are affecting our field. Well, thank you. Well, Viv, Gabby, and Josephine, I want to thank you for being on this first po podcast. I want to thank you for your commitment to be here at the American Institute of Balance. I'm rooting for you. We're going to help you every step of the way to be the next superstars of the profession. To everyone who is watching and listening, thank you. I hope you found uh, this enlightening to hear these bright wunderkinds. <laughs> and keep an eye on them because they're going to be amazing. <laughs> See you next time. See you.